following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Good evening. Tonight's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, build up your strength in union with the Lord, and by means of his mighty power, put on all the armour that God gives you, so that you will be able to stand up against the devil's evil tricks. For we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world. The rulers, authorities and cosmic powers of this dark age. So put on God's armour now. Then, when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist the enemy's attacks. And after fighting to the end, you will still hold your ground. So stand ready, with truth as a belt tight round your waist, with righteousness as your breastplate, and as your shoes the readiness to announce the good news of peace. At all times carry faith as a shield, for with it you will be able to put out all the burning arrows shot by the evil one and accept salvation as a helmet and the word of God as the sword which the Spirit gives you. Do all this in prayer, asking for God's help. Pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. For this reason, keep alert and never give up. Pray always for all God's people and pray also for me. That God will give me a message when I am ready to speak so that I may speak boldly and make known the gospel's secret. For the sake of this gospel, I am ambassador, though now I am in prison Pray that I may be bold in speaking about the gospel as I should. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you, at least in spirit. That's a phrase we use, don't we? Absent from the room, but not from the mind, perhaps. Is that what we mean? An intentional being with, despite restrictions, perhaps. So before we explore this some more, let us invite the Spirit to be with us wherever we are. Lord God, I thank you that through the power of your Spirit, even though we cannot be physically present with one another, we are together in Spirit. May we be intentionally present and attentive to your voice. Encourage us this evening through your word, we pray. Amen. During the last 10 years of the last century, the Balkans war dominated our news cycles. 
the death of the communist leader, Tito, produced a power vacuum that resulted in a decade of war and ethnic cleansing and the separation of the Balkan states. It was also the time that Tim, my husband, his sister and her family left uh, the UK and went to follow a call to church leadership in Croatia. They lived in the capital, their youngest was born there. One day a friend took the baby out in the pram to run some messages. And as she left the shop, she had a choice. Did she turn right and go to the post office towards the city centre? It was a shorter walk. Or did she turn left and go to the other post office that was further away, a longer walk on a warm day? At exactly the same time, Tim was in the UK. He was on his way to a sales appointment. He was running late and uh, took a wrong turn. He turned left. It took him onto the road near where his sister and family used to live. It compelled him to stop and pray, to pray for his sister and the family. He didn't know why, he just really felt in his spirit that's what he had to do. At that moment, God was inviting Tim to participate in the relational, constantly moving communion and communication that prayer in the spirit is. There was a real physical war going on in the Balkan states. There's also a spiritual war going on. The Bible is absolutely clear that we are at war every day in the spiritual realm. Why else did Jesus teach us to pray, deliver us from evil? C.S. Lewis wrote, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed and counterclaimed by Satan. If there's no neutral ground, then there are no neutral people. Fulfilled with the spirit as people of faith, then we pray in the spirit. And the Bible tells us we're to pray constantly. Pray in the spirit at all times, in every prayer and every specific request, as we heard read in Ephesians. We can have real trouble believing in evil. Back in the 1980s, the theologian Michael Green claimed in his book, I Believe in Satan's Downfall, that Christians had lost sight of the spiritual battle they should be engaged in. Whilst the surrounding culture had got more and more interested in the things of the devil. Ten years later, the liberal intellectual Andrew Delbanco, in his book, The Death of Satan, claimed that American culture had sanitized evil, preferring to refer to evil using medical terms such as dysfunction. Some years ago, a friend of mine went on an alpha course and the session called How Do I Resist Evil was a complete revelation to her. I knew people did bad things, she told me, but I had no idea that evil was a thing in itself 
that had power and had to be defeated. Our secular culture is all too happy to remove ancient moral absolutes, but it's really not so great at stepping in to provide answers, answers to the reality of the presence of evil in our world. If we as Christian people are to pray in a way that intends to make a difference and will provide an alternative to the sop of superheroes, we have to know our enemy. We have to know the authority that we have been given. And we have to know how to fight. We see from the Gospels that Jesus was well acquainted with evil. He began his ministry with a whole month of prayer and resistance to the temptations that Satan was putting his way. He witnessed evil in the lives of others. He called out the deception of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, collectively naming them a brood of vipers. And even the disciple Peter, when his words spoken in loyalty were tempting Jesus to an easy way out. Get behind me, Satan, was the rebuke that came from Jesus. Deception, temptation, they are tactics as old as time and they've brought trouble on humanity for just as long. Whether you use the word Satan or not, it just means the adversary. We have an enemy. Described in the Bible as a thief and a prowling lion, evil is intent on stealing, destroying, bringing death. Sometimes evil manifests itself in really evil ways like war. But often evil sneaks up on us through the normal things of life. The materialism that creeps up on every one of us, the institutions that have started so well and with the best of intentions, but are now corrupt or racist or self-serving in some way. Even the mantras, no longer about decluttering your home, but turn into selfishness, pandering to the need to have everything from your underwear to your friendships spark joy in your life or else they're discarded. Evil resides in the dark recesses of our unrepentant pride and manifests itself in broken relationships. Serving on the Healing on the Streets team gives those involved an inkling into the spiritual fight that we are engaged in. It's not unusual to have a member of the public mock our offer of prayer or pick an argument with us or occupy our time unhelpfully because they want to discuss conspiracy theory or other such nonsense. Anything really to distract us from our purpose of praying with people, inviting people into God's presence and purposes. The spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of the people of Durham is felt keenly every Saturday as we stand out in the marketplace and we appreciate all our prayers on Friday in daily prayers and all of you who join in praying for us on a Saturday while we're out there. We have to know our enemy.
Now, many Christians are only too aware that there is evil in the world. But somehow, somewhere along the line, all the fight has gone out of them. Instead of accepting God's invitation to engage with our world, we shrug our shoulders, accept our culture is just what it is. The problems are too big, too numerous. We roll over and submit to evil. Our faith becomes a blanket we hide under rather than a shield we fight with. Our prayers have become something more like wishful thinking or we've become like a demanding toddler. We preempt God. We want X, Y and Z by Thursday. But God doesn't invite us into relationship with him to alternately beg or boss. He invites us to recognise his authority and the authority that we have been given through Christ that we can exercise. The young church in Ephesus had been founded in a pagan stronghold. The place was littered with temples. Occult practices were rife. The Christians there are in trouble from the outset because so many of them turn from their witchcraft and their idols. Trade becomes badly affected. And there are riots against the Christians. They're up against tradition, against religion that appeases and offers pleasure. They're up against the principalities and powers of the world. They're not happy to be losing ground. Paul doesn't tell the church to live quietly and not rock the boat. He doesn't advise them to play along in public and keep faith private. He encourages them to see that their newfound faith has teeth. It has authority and that authority comes from Christ. Paul tells them he's praying. They will know God has given them a spirit of discernment, of wisdom, enlightenment and hope. The ability to see the immeasurable greatness of his power for those who believe. Chapter 1 tells us. God put this power at work in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Christ sits above all, rule and authority, power, dominion, all things are under his feet forever. Not only that, but when we're in Christ, we too are raised up with him. We're seated in the heavenly places with him. We're given a different perspective, the ability to see things God's way, to participate with him, Praying is not about helplessly pleading, but about being present to God on behalf of another, listening for the prayer of the Holy Spirit that is already being prayed before the throne of grace and being willing to join God in that prayer. Tom Wright says that to pray deliver us from evil is to inhale the victory of the cross to so believe it that we're breathing it out in prayer. Tim didn't know until a couple of hours after he had prayed that a bomb had dropped in the centre of Zagreb that morning. He began to hear the terrible news reports, but didn't know until a couple of days later, 
because we couldn't get through, that the friend pushing his baby niece in the pram had turned left, not right. She'd gone away from the city centre to the post office that remained intact that day. Friend and baby had returned back home, shaken but unharmed. Tim's family were spared personal grief that day, but other families were not. When it's the other way round, we can become discouraged in prayer, can't we? We've prayed and our loved ones have died. We've prayed for so many years and still those close to us seem far from God. Many a battle seems lost, yet still the ultimate victory has been won. We live in that tension of the now and the not yet. We live in the power of the spirit whilst the battles continue. The pastor and writer Simon Ponsonby says this, the Holy Spirit is the triumphant power for reversal. As we await Christ's triumphant return and definitive loosing of that satanic grip over human history, we are empowered by the Spirit to live for Christ, to become like Christ, and to join Christ in undoing the threads of evil. We have to know our enemy. We have to know the authority we have been given through Christ's victory. We have to know how to fight. We have to learn Jesus. Jesus constantly confronted evil and confronted it successfully. Jesus sometimes fasted when he was praying so that more of his attention focused on God rather than his own needs. And he expected us to do the same. Jesus spent long nights in prayer and he modeled this to his disciples, despairing of them when they couldn't even watch with him just one hour. Jesus disrupted the proper order of worship by healing people and publicly shamed the religious leaders for their hardness of heart, their lack of compassion in preference to adherence to the law. He challenged them to walk the talk. Jesus told the disciples that he only ever did what the Father told him to do. How did he know? He prayed, he fasted, he spent time listening to his Father, he walked the talk, and he expects the same of us. We have to learn Jesus if we're to know how to fight. The early church has taught us so much as well. The early church taught us to use our common sense, use the wisdom we've been given. John, in his first letter, urged people to practice discernment, testing spirits to see if they are born of God. James wrote, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Discerning, testing, resisting. These are the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness that Paul starts to describe to the Ephesians. Armour that equips us in the spiritual fight and enables us to stand firm. We pray to diagnose what's going on 
God, with this person, this injustice, that situation. Show us. Reveal the issue to us. Our biggest, most effective weapon is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Jesus defeated Ill evil in the wilderness through quoting scripture back at every temptation that came his way. The writer of Hebrews describes the Word of God as living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. We learn the Word so that we learn who God is, so that when we're up against it, we can recall God's promises, God's words of love for us, and we can use those words against the enemy when he's whispering his lies to us, undermining us, making us doubt. We pray to gain insight into God's will, to get a prognosis. What is God's plan for this person, this city, this situation? Prayer in the Spirit gives us a diagnosis, a prognosis and a prescription. Our feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. Our healing on the streets team wouldn't be much good if we took offence every time someone was rude to us. No one would be much of a witness in the workplace if they couldn't take a little teasing from time to time. Instead, every occurrence, every interaction is an opportunity to give an answer. The Apostle Peter wrote, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope you have in Christ. Believing ourselves to be bringers of peace encourages us to look beyond the problems. It's easy, isn't it, to look at our city, to look at our community, to point out what's wrong, to hear the dire predictions of the news, to become depressed when we hear it. But what if we kept asking God to show us what is right? What are his desires for our city? What's the historic godly imprint on our city? What are the redemptive gifts that have shaped our culture here? What, through the Holy Spirit guiding us, does God want us to call out? We're a city of excellence in learning. How does God want us to bless our universities, our students, our sixth form college? We're a city of churches and a cathedral. Do we thank God for the centuries of prayer that have been lifted up and dare to ask God for more of his presence? The city is founded largely on the missionary zeal of a few very earnest monks. Do we dare ask God for even a tenth of their zeal? As Paul asked the church to pray for him, that despite being in prison, his boldness in proclaiming the gospel would not wane. Do we pray for one another to have a spirit of boldness despite restrictions and lockdowns? Through the power of the Spirit in us, we know our enemy. We have authority. We know how to fight. 
the victory through Christ has been won. Let us accept his invitation to join with him in the daily battle of prayer, that we, our community, our city, those we love and the stranger in the street might be delivered from evil, might stand firm on God's promises and see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.